So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. All right, hello, people. This is Give Me the Good News. Yeah, it is. Oh, I watched the news at 6 o'clock. Yeah, we did. Made me want to cry. Mm-hmm. The oceans are polluted, and we damaged all the skies. And there's wars and wars and rumors, and a hungry baby cries. And still we have to suffer. Politicians lies, just give me the good news. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can keep the bad, just give me the good news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean not the sad for your money. It never goes far enough these days. Opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy. Yeah, we are. That relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. It was 1776 when the founders signed the writ of independence from the Brits. It was revolution. Now an enemy from within would enslave us all again and deprive us of our rights in the Constitution. Restore the Republic. Wake up, it's time to understand Restore the Republic We're losing our freedom in the land Working from behind the scenes Controlling everything From the daily news we read To the politicians And they're pulling our financial strings More powerful than kings it's the central bank elites bringing our destruction. Restore the republic. Wake up, it's time to make a stand. Restore the republic. We are the people and we can. Restore the republic. Pledge our allegiance to the flag. Restore the republic. We gotta take the freedom back. America, If we look the other way, they'll take our rights away. So we the people must defeat them. Restore the Republic. All right. Hello, people. Welcome to this edition of Bible News Radio. <clears throat> so that's Band of Patriots, that song, Take Our Freedom Back. Yeah, it is. I thought it was kind of appropriate given everything that's gone on lately. Um, and you can actually go over to YouTube, put in Band of Patriots, take our freedom back. And you can listen to the song in its entirety and watch the real cool video that goes with it. Because um, it is, it's actually history that they're writing about. And given the events of the last week or so and kind of a couple of months and kind of a few years <sighs> that I have been talking about. And warning about, just like Jeremiah, nobody listens to me. 
<laughs> um, anyway, uh, just thought it would be important. What? What am I doing wrong? Is that good? The, the, the microphone cord is... I don't know what to do. My husband gets irritated by certain things. Well, if you had your because earbuds in, you'd be I don't hearing it. I don't want my ear, earbuds in. I don't need earbuds. Don't want, because you don't want to be anyway, distracted by your... So, here's the thing. So, given given what... Um, uh, anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mute... I'm going to mute Bareface. I'm going to turn down the mic on Bareface. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. You know, every wife has the right to want to mute their husband, just like the husband wants to mute the wife once in a while. Uh, anyway, I want to welcome you to the show. Um, and tonight what we're going to do is we we are going to look at some of the other news. We're going to still look at the news that we looked at last night about this whole censorship thing. I'm going to tell you something. I have a lot on my on my mind, and last night one of the things I discussed at length was that the body of Christ has to remember to put Jesus first, right? And I'm going to tell you something that's not easy <laughs> when you have all these things going around your head and you're watching all these people who are in the body of Christ wallop one another on Twitter. It's just like, ah, you know? Um, and anyway, so with that in mind, let's just pray really fast all together. And then we're going to have an honest discussion about, about prophecy, about false prophecy, and about what's going on in our country, in the world. Right? So would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, I love you. I just pray that tonight you would guard my lips and my heart, and that you would guard Randall's lips and heart. And as we talk about your word and about the appropriate response of believers to the situation, Lord, I pray that we would be loving in our approach, but truthful as well. And I pray that you would prepare hearts to hear what you have them want to hear. Um, Lord, this whole thing is in your hands. You're sovereign overall. And I know that, and we all know that, but... Um, Lord, it is a provocative conversation, and we don't want to walk and be provoked. And so tonight, Lord, I pray for your peace to be on everybody who, who watches live or the replay. And um, Lord, we just ask that you would allow your word to fall deep into our hearts so that we can walk in obedience to you, because you're ultimately the only thing that matters. So I just commit this to you in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, now, <laughs> hello, people. So, the joy of the Lord is uh, our strength. So, my audio is just a tiny bit over-modulated. Is that, okay, let me turn that down just a little bit. Is that any better, Tony? Let me know if that's better. Um, so, I'm hearing from somewhere else. I just... Uh, my computer is muted, so it's not sound coming through I'll my... Just make sure everything's... All right. Is the sound okay, you guys? Just let me know. Because we can't control everything, right? It sounds good. Okay. Thank you for the heads up. I guess last week, Bareface like, broadcast for 20 minutes. And nobody said anything. They couldn't hear him. 
Okay, good. You guys sung. Okay, good. All right. So tonight, um, our objective with the show is to kind of offer kind of the latest what's going on. But we also want to discuss uh, all the prophecies that were happening prior to um, the election, all the prophecies put out by by the prophets today that were saying that President Trump was going to serve a second term, because clearly that's not true, right? And I know there's some people who are going, don't jump, you know, God can pull a miracle at the last minute and he can, you know, do all that. Well, Donald Trump's already said he isn't going to serve a second turn. He's already conceded. So that, that hasn't, that, so that those prophecies won't come to pass. So I want to talk about that in light of what God's word says. And I also want to share first, though, just, just some of the, the issue with, what's going on with Twitter and the whole censorship thing. I don't know why everybody is freaking out about this because this has been going on for a while. And it was a couple of years ago, Alex Jones from InfoWars was completely banned and kicked off all the, the major platforms. Um, so, you know, and there was a little outrage when that happened, but you know, he went ahead. He, he, He's over at Infowars.com, and I know he's controversial, and people, some people love him, some people hate him. I actually find him very interesting, and I think that most, pretty much everything he says, he backs up. Um, maybe, maybe some people don't like his approach, but hey, the prophet, the prophets of old, I'm sure they didn't like their approach either. Hey, you guys, <laughs> you know, so you you can't. I mean. Sometimes a prophetic approach isn't always welcome because sometimes people just don't want to hear the truth, right? But this type of censorship has been going on for a while. So this outrage about the censorship is a little overkill in my opinion. However, because of what happened at the Capitol, of course, the media is blaming Donald Trump for everything that took place. Did he have anything to do with it? Okay, let's just let's let's just let's just throw this out. Let's say let's just say for sake of argument, Trump is in on this whole thing. Let's just say this is a big bread and circus event going on, playing all of us, and that Trump knew about it all and all this other stuff, and he's playing the the lead actor in this this thing that we're looking at. Okay, is it possible? Maybe. You never know, right? Because we don't know. We don't know. We do not know what's going on for real. And we we are only getting bits and pieces. And we know that the liberal media lies, lies, and lies. And guess what? They lie. Christian media is also bought and paid for because a lot of the top Christian people are paid a lot of money. And they won't call out things. So can you even believe Christian media? Nah, I wouldn't. I would say no. No. And I'm, I'm a Christian, and this is, quote, media, but I'm not being bought and paid for, and I'm not being paid anyway. This is my opinion, and the only thing I can say that we can tr truly trust is the Word of God. That's it, period. So with that said, a ton of people are jumping off Twitter because they banned the president, and Facebook has as well, okay? Everybody has a right to do what they're going to do, and, you know, whatever. If you want, if you want to jump off Twitter because they banned the president, which I think is the dumbest thing they could do. Um, I do think it reeks of communism. Um, in fact, the 
the the the the bird you know the the red bird with the communist mark <laughs> has made its way you know all through all through twitter um but the thing is let me let me ask you something if all of us jump off twitter where is going to be the voice of jesus on twitter if we're all jumping off look i get that people are ticked off that twitter's doing what they're doing i don't agree with it any more than anybody else but i'm staying on twitter even though last year they completely demolished my Stacey Harp account, which had like 20,000 followers on it. They deleted it for no reason at all. My Bible News Radio account is still there, has 10,000 followers on it. I'm not going to jump off Twitter when I have an opportunity to reach people with the gospel still before, you know, if they decide to throw me off, that's one thing, but I'm not willingly going to jump off. Um, I'm going to stand in, in this secular platform run by godless people that's what i'm i'm gonna stand there that's that's what i'm gonna do because god has called us to be salt and light he's also told us to be very careful about getting caught up in controversies and foolish talk and frankly a lot of this is just that it it, it's it's foolish talk okay it you know I'm not going to say who it was, but a very popular Christian broadcaster today tweeted out about an atheist who was, you know, saying hell didn't exist. And I, I watched the tweet and their comment with with sadness because there was no compassion whatsoever. It was like, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Okay, yeah, that's true. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But why not pray for that person? You know? I mean, if the goal of the Christian is to make disciples and to go, therefore, out into all the world and preach the good news that people are perishing, that Jesus desires none, you know, he desires all to come to repentance. And it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So if we're not being kind as the reflectors of Christ that we are, the image bearers that we are, how are we supposed to win a lost and dying world to 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 Christ, we can't because we don't look any different than the world. We're looking so, you know, so a number of Christian broadcasters have jumped off Twitter. I'm sad about that because that's where I followed them and get some info information from them. Parlor has been banned uh, by Google and, and Apple. Um, I, I actually don't like Parlor, which I know don't hate me. I, I think the platform's weak. I know a lot of people are on it. I don't like it. I don't like Parler. I, I, that's why I deleted it from my phone. And just because a million people are going to jump over there, I'm not going to do it. You know, there's there's other platforms. I'm not going there. I'm not jumping on Haps. I'm not jumping on any other platforms. I'm staying where I'm at. I'm at. Um, and I'm going to stay <laughs> where I am until I get cut off. And Lord willing, that won't happen. However... Rush Limbaugh, uh, World Net Daily was reporting earlier. Um, it just says here, Rush Limbaugh reportedly deletes Twitter account after Trump ban. Um, okay. And he had like, what, half a million followers, something like that, according to the article. That's pretty significant. I mean, that that hits Twitter's following stuff. Um, you know, poor Rush Limbaugh is, has very, I mean, he's in the lighter stages of cancer and he, you know, he shouldn't be alive. I mean, last year at the end of the year, he sent out, he did a broadcast basically crying and saying, hey, you know, I can't believe I'm still here. They expected me to be dead by now, blah, blah, blah. 
you know, so pray for Rush because, you know, he's fighting for his life with, with lung cancer. Um, that's sad. Um, what else was I going to say? I, okay, if you want to impact Twitter, the best place to impact Twitter is in their pocketbook. Now, look, I, I'm not rich by any stretch, but what I'm going to tell you is I, I started a couple years ago investing using the, the mobile app, app Stash, S-T-A-S-H, because I didn't know anything about investing, and I saw this app, and it taught me how to invest. And I invested in Twitter, a whole $59, people. Yeah, I did. Actually, it was not $59. I think I've invested like like 40 bucks or something like that, and I made $18 on that investment. Yeah, I did. Well, today I sold it. Today I went in there. I sold off my Twitter stock. You know, it, it won't jump off until Monday. And I'm sure Twitter's going to cry because they lost me as a customer because that whole $59 is just going to kill their bottom line, won't it? Uh, no, but if a lot of people do it, then their stock will drop and they will get hit in the pocket book, which is what they love. The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And if you don't think money is what's driving all this, then I don't know what to tell you, because it is. Um, you know, that was my little form of protest. It's like, okay, well, Twitter, I am not going to. Okay, and, I, and I guarantee you their stock will drop, because there's so many people that are mad at Twitter right now. But here's also what I know, and I know this because of my years um, exposing the homosexual lobby and the agenda of the gay activists and the pro-choice uh, people. What I know is that the church, by and large, gets all outraged, and they get all outraged about something for five minutes, and then they get complacent, apathetic, and then they go back to what it was that they were doing. The church doesn't typically stand up and fight for the long haul. And I know that those are fighting words to some people who think that what I just said isn't true. But I've been observing this for 20 years, and I can tell you it's true. The church lays down and goes back to sleep. And I can say that because for almost 20 years, I've been jumping up and down, screaming left and right about the homosexual lobby and the life issue, and all these other things, and oh, snooze, gay marriage is passed, snooze, Supreme Court does this, snooze, sodomy laws are passed, snooze, you know, do this, oh, transgender stuff, snooze, oh, we get all upset, oh, you know, and so this, mark my words, in a few months, this will be like, like it never happened, whole bunch of believers will be back on Twitter <laughs> and snooze. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Unless there is some huge massive repentance that goes on between now and then. And, and that is the issue. And that's where the big fight is on Twitter that I see with all the leader, the Christian leaders, right? There's the Christian left and I'm going to say they're medium left. I'm not going to say they're far left. I'm going to say they're medium left. Who is like, well, you Christian nationalists are of the devil. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Okay. And then there's the Christian right who's like, I can't believe you Christian left people wouldn't vote for Trump because don't you know, Trump is way better than Biden and Kamala Harris because they're of the devil. So it's like, <laughs> and then you've got the people in the middle who are like, don't you know, King Jesus is all, and I voted independent, and I don't give a crap about Trump at all, <laughs> you 
Am I right? Right? Okay. So, with that said, my exhortation is be salt and light. Be a voice of reason. You know, Jesus said that we're to be in the world, not of it. Right? Which means we're supposed to stay in the world. We're supposed to stay in the fight, if you will. But we're not supposed to be of it. We're not, we're not supposed to be the perpetuators of the lies, of the gossip, all that stuff. Right? If our focus as believers is, is commandment number one, then commandment number two follows suit that we're going to love those people that hate us. Right? And, and, and let me ask you something. When was the last time you were actually seriously persecuted or insulted or vilified or lost money or a job or something because you're a Christian? Most of you haven't. I have. A lot of my friends have in the activism world. But most of you have not. Maybe you were insulted by somebody. That's pff, whatever. That, that's like level one. <laughs> when you've lost your career over the principles that you hold um, and you have been maligned and threatened and you're in fruit with your life and, you know, your property has been damaged, all that has happened to me, then you can stand up and go, yeah, okay, get this. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Stay in the fight. Gird up. Put on your armor. Be that light bearer in a dark culture that needs you. Because most of these people are dying and they're on their way to hell. Right? And many believers who profess his name, one day God may say to them, Lord, Lord. Or they're going to say, Lord. well, he's going to say, hey, I never knew you. And they're going to say, hey, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do this? Blah, blah, blah. And Jesus is going to say, hey, I don't know who the heck you are. Depart from me. And that's, those words are going to be horrible words for those people. And it's going to be a sad day, right? I want Jesus to say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Because he will know where I came from. He will know me because I've hung out with him and talked to him and read his word and know his word and all that. So that's, that's all I'm going to say on that. So one of the, the big things, and it kind of really ties into this, um, is that for the last couple of years, I've heard from friends I know at Pickleball. I have heard all over the internet. I got numerous books sent to me from the charismatic uh, Christian publishers all about how God was prophesying that Donald Trump was going to be a second-term president, and this is how we know. And every single interview offer I got, I tabled it and said, eh, not interested. Because it's not that I don't believe the gifts are for today. I do. I actually don't think that even the, tongue, the gift of tongues has ceased. I think that the gift of tongues is still around. I don't think most of what we hear in America, however, is exercised properly as the gift of tongues. I think it's primarily used on the mission field where God is actually doing some serious missions work. Um, I think a lot of people play with the spiritual gifts. Um, 
And I think they're more wrapped up in experience and hearing words from God that really are never in line with God's word because they're too wrapped up in experience and prophets. You guys would not believe. Well, maybe you would. But I, I can't believe. I should say this. I cannot believe the number of messages I get on Facebook and in my email from you guys sharing with me this this stuff. And I'm just like, every time I see that, this is seriously what I do. I go, God have mercy. <sighs> I mean, and I'm like, why are you guys? I mean, there are top periscopers. There are people in so-called media that constantly put out these words from God and blah, blah. And I am quoting that. I am quoting it because most of it's a bunch of crap. It's a bunch of BS. It has nothing to do with God. And all it does is tickle ears. And so now Dr. Michael Brown, who I actually have some respect for, Dr. Michael Brown uh, is a Messianic Jewish believer. He's a broadcaster. He's been out. He's been on the forefront of helping expose the gay agenda. Uh, he actually, him and I have had a couple of conversations together. He even sent me all his books um, when I when when they were coming out on homosexuality and stuff. And so you know, he is a leading charismatic voice in. In, in Christian media. It has way more influence than me. I'm just a little peon on, on thing. I, pff, who cares about what I have to say? But I, I was following his Twitter account and he is fully aware of what's happened with, with the, prof, the, the prophetic. And one of the things that he's talked about is, well, you know, it's bad that the, that the charismatic church, we kind of look like a bunch of fools right now. It's bad enough that we, we kind of look this way, don't we? Yeah. You actually do. The charismatic camp kind of does. Anybody who's been watching goes, oh my, you know. So, but to his credit, I actually tweeted him. I said, I said, Dr. Brown, you know, can you explain how you're going to explain to to the masses here that all the prophets of God got this wrong? What's going to happen? And to his credit, uh, he tweeted out an apology from... Uh, Jeremiah Johnson, who was like the first guy that jumped on this bandwagon that uh, Donald Trump was going to be reelected for a second term. And so what I want to do is I want to read part of this public apology. And I think I sent it to you, right, Randall? Yes, you did. Yeah. And you guys can read this. I will I will tweet this out on my Bible News Radio Twitter account in a little bit after I, I read some of it so you can look at it. But this is from Jeremiah Johnson Ministries, uh, dated January 7th, so it's two days ago. Uh, and it says this, Dear Saints and Leaders, I have submitted this letter to senior respected national leaders in the body who have now given their approval to publicly release it. I'm also currently in relationship with local church elders where I reside, who I greatly value and believe are essential for accountability in my life, marriage, and ministry. We have dialogued, prayed, and I continue to receive their instructions and corrections. I have learned some very hard and valuable lessons throughout this process, and I intend to be as transparent as possible in the following remarks. The prophetic ministry is simply one of the gifts that God has given his body, and we should always be actively seeking relationship and accountability, first at the local level, and then nationally, if that is where God's calling leads us. 
My aim in this public apology is twofold. First, I would like to repent for inaccurately prophesying that Donald Trump would win a second term as the President of the United States. I refuse to blame the saints and say it didn't come to pass because they didn't pray enough, nor will I proclaim Donald Trump actually won, so I was right, but now it's been stolen from him. I believe the first statement seeks to alleviate the prophetic messenger from the responsibility of what he prophesied, and the second statement is filled with potential pride and unwillingness to humble himself and admit he was wrong. I want to go on record. I was wrong. I am deeply sorry, and I ask for your forgiveness. I specifically want to apologize to any believer in whom I have now caused potential doubt concerning the voice of God and his ability to speak to his people. As a human being, I missed what God was saying. However, rest assured, God himself is not a liar, and his written word should always be the foundation and source of our lives as Christians. I'm really, really glad that he said that, because that should be the number one thing. That shouldn't be the secondary thing. He goes on to say, second... I would like to explain my prophetic process along the way so that anyone desiring to grow and learn from my mistakes might have the benefit of doing so, especially other prophets and prophetic people. As a public figure, I recognize my mistakes often have public consequences, and I want to be as transparent as possible. Okay, now, this is where I have differences with our brother here. Um, my personal belief is that there are no prophets today. And some of you are going to hate me now because I just said that out loud. But I believe the last prophet was John the Baptist and Jesus himself. Um, I do not believe that there are prophets running around today proclaiming God's word. I think that there is the gift of prophecy I think that there's the gift of discernment and exhortation, which I happen to have that gift. Um, I think that there are words of knowledge given in certain situations. I do believe that the gift of tongues is active, but not like what most people experience it today. Um, I'm not a cessationist, meaning I don't believe that, that the gifts ended with the canon of scripture. I do believe that the gifts are still active. I don't believe that there are prophets running around today. And pretty much anybody who calls themselves the prophet, I completely dismiss out of hand. I don't listen to them because I don't have to listen to them. I open up God's word. That's where the real prophecy is. That's where the real prophets are. Now, you cannot like me now because I said that, but that biblically is what I believe. Um, and I believe that, and Randall and I were talking about this, and we'll, we'll address this in a little bit. But, you know, a lot of people misquote Joel uh, chapter 2, which says in the end times that he's going to pour out his spirit and old men will dream dreams and all that stuff. Um, or, and we'll talk, me and Randall will talk about that in just a second, right? Um, so, so if somebody calls themselves a prophet, I'm like, okay, I ain't listening to you. That's my, that's my, that is my thing. Um. Okay, so with that said, going on here, 
Uh, Jeremiah Johnson continues, he goes, for those who follow our ministry closely, you will especially understand how detailed my prophetic journey has been with Donald Trump since 2015. I believe I was given an assignment to help the body of Christ prophetically discern the plans God had for Donald Trump. Uh, Okay, and my question is why? Who cares? (laughs) Why would God do that? However, my my mandate has and will always be focused on preparing the bride of Christ for the return of our bridegroom, King Jesus Christ. I have intentionally recorded my encounters concerning Donald Trump publicly for accountability purposes over the last five years. Below is a brief and condensed timeline of my prophetic process, which I felt was most important to share. Please read carefully. And then, you know, you can go ahead and read it all. I'll tweet this out, like I said. But I will tell you, look, there's a group of people called the Elijah List. There are schools of prophecy out there that train prophets. Years ago, I got involved in this uh, because I have studied apologetics for almost 40 years. Okay, um, If you don't know what apologetics is, it's basically learning to know what you believe and why from a biblical perspective. Learning to defend what you believe biblically. And being able to give a reason for the hope that resides within you with gentleness and respect. I was challenged by my older brother right after I got saved to prove that Christianity was true. And God just threw me into this school of going, okay, you're going to learn what you believe and why. You're going to learn how to defend the deity of Christ. You're going to learn about the Trinity. You're going to learn about how the Bible came together, the canon. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna learn what you believe and why so that you can confidently defend your faith in a culture that is just like, whatever. <laughs> and, and so part of my training with that was that I would jump on things like the Elijah list and others. And I would be a part of the, their email list. And I remember this one time, I'll never forget it because it just told me everything I need to know. Um, they were putting out training people in the word of prophecy. And um, they were saying, okay, everybody, today go and pray and hear from God and then put your word out. So I went to the book of Jeremiah and I took a passage straight out of the Bible and I quoted it from Jeremiah. And the leaders of the Elijah list threw me off the list claiming I was a false prophet and did not hear from God. So I quoted God's word to a school of prophecy, training prophets, and they called me a false prophet. That's all I need to know. And the gullible and those people who generally um, look for experience over taking the time to diligently study God's word often get sucked into that stuff. It's very cultic as well. Um, and I studied cults for a year. I, for, well, I mean, I, I did study cults for a year. I went to, to Taylor University and I, I, I've read all of Walter Martin's book, The Kingdom of the Cults. I've studied every cult in that book. I spent years studying the cults. I spent years studying Christian apologetics, Greg Kokel's Stand of Reason, one of my favorite shows of all time. Randall and I used to listen to that thing religiously every week. Um, and I learned what I believe and why. So when, when you guys come to me and go, well, what do you think of Kim Clement? What do you think of blah, blah? What do you think of so-and-so? What do you think of Benny Hinn? What do you think of blah, blah? And I'm like, don't listen to them. They tickle ears. 
And I know some of you love these people. I'm sorry, I don't. <laughs> They're wolves in sheep's clothing. And I know that's not popular. Maybe some of you hate me now. And I don't know what to say, except that I'm trying to tell you that this could have all been avoided if these people actually took time to read God's word and proclaim his truth instead of what was in their vain imagination. And I know that's not popular and I hate saying it, but you, you know, I mean, I have friends locally. I have one friend in particular who came to me and she's an elderly lady and she's like, oh, prophetess so-and-so with the pink hair. She was just proclaiming that Donald Trump is going to win this uh, and we just have to do this. Blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, God, you know, please help me not to say anything mean. And then I find out a couple days later who that woman is. And I'm like, oh, and I see on Periscope a ton of these false prophets out there proclaiming their prophecies. And I'm just like, oh, please going after the almighty buck, you know, because you know what? Hey, these people will tell you what you think what you want to hear so you feel good and here's something your feelings aren't your feelings are fleeting they have nothing to do with reality whatsoever you know your faith is never based on feelings ever you know if it was we would all be crazy because you know our faith is substantiated through god's word and his word alone and i'm not a bible worshiper but i am a word of god lover and you got to open the word of God to know what's in it. And so, you know, what does the Bible say about those who are false prophets? You know, there's quite a few passages out there. Jeremiah 14, 14 says, God says these evil doers will prophesy lies, offering false visions, divinations, idolatries, and the delusions of their own minds. Okay. <laughs> That's Jeremiah. He was a weeping prophet, just so you know. And he was a real prophet. He cried a lot because, you know, he said stuff nobody liked. Um, Deuteronomy 18, 9, 9 to 20 um, has, you know, a lots, lots to say about this. Um, in Jeremiah 14, verses 15 and through 16 says, therefore, this is what the Lord says about the prophets who are prophesying in my name. I did not send them yet. They are saying no sword or famine will touch this land. Those same prophets will perish by sword and famine and the people they are prophesying to will be thrown out into the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and sword. There will be no one to bury them, their wives, their sons, and their daughters. I will pour out on them the calamity they deserve. Not a, a real popular prophecy, uh, you know, of that time. We're warned in the New Testament all over the place. Second Peter 2.1 says that false teachers and prophets will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Second um, Peter 2.13 says they, that the evildoers will be paid back with harm for the harm that they have done. Jesus spoke out in Matthew 24, 24. He warned the disciples about the end times and the false prophets would appear and attempt to deceive even God's chosen ones that the son of God has returned. And if you follow news at all, you can already, you can already see that type of stuff. Matthew 24, 36 said, don't listen or heed their guidance. We're told rather stay vigilant, be ready. Jesus said about the day and the hour. No one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the son, but only the father. Um, and, and it goes on, right? Uh, and 
so so what what's the response to these guys now my my response to jeremiah johnson is that i'm glad he openly repented of what he did but the damage that he has done to the body and some people's faith i'm sure is now shaken right um i hope he's seriously i hope he's really truly repented um because it's not cool if he didn't um and it, it is a sign of the end times i mean that's just a a reality it's a sign um of the end times and let me ask you something why would god send a prophet to tell everybody that donald trump was going to serve a second term why what would be the point now, I have not heard anybody in the charismatic movement answer that question or even ask it. Why would God do that? Why would it matter in the, in the big scope of things? Why would, it, why would God say, oh, hey, you know what, Donald Trump? I mean, why would he say that? I mean, I've been sitting behind this microphone saying, you know what, you guys? If Joe Biden and Kamala Harris get in, I think it's going to be the best thing for the church because we're going to be persecuted. And the church grows during persecution. Am I happy about that? No, I'm not. But I can tell you what will happen is that those believers who don't believe God's word, they're just going to fall off because they were never believers in the first place. And they're just the Lord, Lord people. Lord, Lord, did I not do? Have you ever looked at the passage and looked at basically, didn't we not cast out demons in your name? Charismatic belief. Didn't we do all this in your name? Prophesy. Prophesy. Too many mighty mir- works miracles. Or miracles. It's almost like they're talking about the charismatic movement in general. Didn't we do all this in your name, Lord? Didn't we raise money for the poor and do all this in your name? Didn't we do all this? I never knew you. Who are you? And the Christian publishers are just as guilty. Charisma House, number one, the leading charismatic publisher out there. You shouldn't, you wouldn't believe the stuff they sent me. I'm like, nope. (laughs) I ain't promoting that. Um, And and like I said, again, it's not because I don't think uh, the the gifts have ceased. I, I think that they haven't ceased. But I think that the feelings and the experience in that particular part of the body overrules the, the, the actual discipline and study of God's word. Because if they were taking the time to actually look at God's word, then they would know. They, they would know the truth and they would be they would be taking care of doing what the truth is. Um, so, Randall, let's talk about the Joel passage, because uh, a lot of people bring that up, and they'll say, um, where is that? Joel 2? Yes. So let me bring that up, and then I'll read it, and then you can address this, um, because a lot of people believe that, you know, that we're living in that day, and um, I... Th- which, uh, <laughs> which translation are you going to use? I'll use the 
new American standard. Like the latest, the uh, um, 2000 whatever version or the 95 or the 77. It doesn't say on here. All right, well. But. We can just. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Okay, so beginning, okay, so this is Joel chapter 2, beginning in verse 28. Um, it says here, It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your old men will have dreams, and your young men will see visions, and even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And then it goes on, and it says, I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke, the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will come about that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion in, in Jerusalem, there will be those who escape just as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Okay, so that will be the verse that most of the charismatic movement will say, oh, Stacy, you're wrong, you know, ah, the prophets exist, blah, 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 because Joel says it, okay? So Randall's more of an expert on this thing, so I thought that yeah, um, we, we would both talk about it. By the way, for some reason, I can actually read your comments now on, on Periscope. That's kind of crazy. Um, so let me go back here and just scroll through, and if there's any serious question, I'll answer it. So, gosh, dude, gosh, you guys have been commenting a lot here. So, um, one question, stop Christianity, how and why they create the Trinity. All right, they didn't create the Trinity, but that's beside the point. Um, let's see. Never heard of him? Okay, so you never heard of Jeremiah Johnson? Okay. Um I think it was actually How do about you... Michael Brown. Oh, okay. How do you know the church will be persecuted? Read the Bible. <laughs> That's clear. The Bible says it. That's very Look obvious. Look around the world. Yeah. Um, so many disturbing evangelical preachers on Periscope. Well, I don't know that they're evangelical people, but, you know. And that's another thing. E the evangelical camp, oh my God. Don't even get me started on the evangelical camp because, uh, yeah, well, let's we'll talk about that if we have time. But, okay, Randall. Well, first of all, I think it's important to, you know, look at Hebrews chapter 1, uh, verse 1, understanding that there is about a 400-year break between the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, and the New Testament. And there was silence. There was a dearth of God's word in terms of, I mean, the God's word had been written, even translated into Greek at the time, Septuagint, but as far as revelation until uh, John the Baptist came along, uh, Jesus confirmed him as being in the spirit of Elijah. And what did he prophesy? He prophesied the coming of the Lord, coming of Messiah. Get ready. You know, the Messiah is coming. There's one coming after me whose sandals I'm not even worthy to loose, etc. And so the writer to Hebrews, to, to the Hebrews, the epistle to the Hebrews, writes... In many parts and in many ways, God having spoke long ago, because we're 
at this point like 400 years removed from any recording of prophecy prior to John the Baptist, you know, God having spoken long ago to the fathers by the prophets in these last days speaks to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, from whom he also made the ages. And it's a long sentence there that runs on through the end of verse four. Uh, but basically saying that that was, that was God's way of revelation in the past and long ago god spoke to our fathers by the prophets but in these last days he speaks to us in his son and in fact the book of revelation is what that's the short title it's the revelation of jesus christ uh, to to john and so the revelation and most of that actually the book of revelation uh, contains old testament prophecies but they're put in a chronological sequence and given a little more framework, uh, which they are. You can find, I'd say, easily 80% of uh, the prophecies in Revelation, find them in the Old Testament prophets. Anyway, so my reading of the scriptures is that that office of prophet is gone. There, there was a time, you know, a long time ago, back in the days of the Hebrew scriptures, God spoke by the prophets but in these last days and it essentially speaks to the last days it's not like the last days started in 19 you know 48 or whatever the last days began with the arrival of messiah and these last days he speaks to us in his son and well what about what about you know acts chapter 2 when the you know when the when the spirit fell and well i think acts chapter 2 gives us a good definition of prophecy um stand by by the way you guys i just tweeted out on my bible news radio twitter account if you're still on twitter uh the article that i just read so you can read the whole thing on your own um when you get a minute the jeremiah johnson yes letter yeah, so at Bible News Radio on Twitter, if you're over there. Um, I'm still there, just so you know, until they can throw me off, which I doubt. They, well, you never know, they might. <laughs> they threw my Stacey Harb account, they killed it, so I, was, I didn't even do anything. I wasn't even tweeting on it, and they killed it, so, uh, yeah. All right, so um, Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, we call the the... The disciples there, there were hundreds some people, uh, and the sound of mighty rush of wind, what appeared to be like tongues of fire that um, came upon them, and they began to speak in tongues as the Lord gave them utterance, and they were accused of being drunk, etc. Let's pick it up uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 14. And that seems like really small. All you guys put on your reading glasses. <laughs> and, and Peter. Because you're all old like me and Randall. <laughs> and Peter, having stood up with eleven, lifted up his voice and declared to them, Men, Jews, and all those dwelling in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to my sayings. For these are not drunken, as you take up, for it is the third hour of the day. But this is what has been spoken through the prophet Joel. And it will be in the last days, says God. And we read this early. He's... Quoting it. 
I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. All your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men dream dreams. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. And I will give wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the day of the Lord the great and conspicuous and it will be everyone who if he may be called on the name of the Lord will be saved in that long section quoting from Joel chapter 2 all right peter says he says uh, let it be known to you uh, that this this is which has been spoken of by the prophet Joel these these guys aren't drunk as you suppose, but this is the, okay, great. All right. Young men shall see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Were they witnessing any of that? No. I will give wonders in the sky above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Were they witnessing that? No. How about the sun turned to darkness? Is that what they witnessed? No. And the moon blood? No. So how was this? Was Peter mistaken that this is a this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel? Well, there's only one thing that qualifies. He says, they will prophesy. You know, I will pour out my spirit on flesh, flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Okay, well, so on the day of Pentecost, they said Trump would be elected for a second term, and twenty. No, <laughs> what you know? Well, what is it? What 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 great impending doom or great move of God did they speak about? You know what what prediction of the future did they declare? No. Um. <clears throat> All these people here in these tongues, we heard them speaking the great things of God in our tongues. Prophecy is primarily a forth-telling, not a foretelling. Um, it's it's uh, speaking forth the great things of God. God is great, and you know, God who created the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, and He's mighty to save. And there's one name under heaven by which we must be saved. The name, you know, Jesus Christ. God is gracious and slow to anger. God is love. That is prophecy. That's you know, telling the great things of God. And then you may think, well. Wait a minute, wait, wait a minute, Acts, Acts, there's prophecies, Philip had some daughters that prophesied, and, and you know, don't tell me this, that this office of prophet is dead, they're specifically called prophets. Well, let's, let, let's look at an example in Acts chapter 21, we're actually given a prophecy. Acts chapter 21, beginning verse 10, and we remaining many more days, spoken first person from Luke's perspective. Anyway, there came down a certain one from Judea, a prophet by name Agabus. And he having come to us and having taken up the girdle of Paul, having also bound his own hands and feet and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, the man whose is this girdle, so will the Jews in Jerusalem bind and they will deliver him up into the hands of the nations. And when we heard these things, we called on him, both we and those 
of that place, not to go up to Jerusalem. And Paul answered, Why are you weeping and crushing my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Hmm. Anyway, so here is a prophet by name, Agabus, comes down, and his prophecy is for Paul, the man who owns this girdle, and he binds, you know, Agabus binds his own hands and feet and says, in the same way, the man who owns this is going to be bound by the Jews in Jerusalem when he goes. So it was a it was a foretelling of the future, but it was for Paul. It wasn't it wasn't to the church. It wasn't a general revelation that this is a new thing the Lord is doing. That the Lord's going to move in His people this way. This is we God in times past spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he speaks to us in his son. By the way, he's quoting Hebrews chapter 1 right now. Go look yeah. it up. Yeah. That's so, that's in the New Testament, in case you didn't you know want, the you book want, of Hebrews. You want prophecy? Go to what Jesus said. Go to Matthew chapter 24. Go to the book of Revelation. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And these are general revelations for the church. And so... When someone comes along and says, I'm a prophet, and this is what's going to happen to this person, and this, maybe, that's fine. You know, God gives a word of knowledge, and while prophecies, even in the major prophets, minor prophets, the gift of prophecy is, is primarily a forth-telling of the great things of God. It also has, it also prophets had foretelling like predicting future events telling what was going to happen in the future but what we see in these last days when he speaks to us collectively in his son that's it general revelation is by christ and and the words are recorded i don't think it's any any accident that it says in the book of revelation who any whoever adds to these words you know, will be added to him the plagues in this book. Whoever takes away from, you know, his part will be taken away. Um, you know, in the New Jerusalem. So, because what needs to be said in terms of general revelation has been said through Christ. Um, yes, I believe in words of knowledge. I've been given words of knowledge. And uh, for particular people. And, um, I mean, yeah, just so you guys know, we went to the vineyard for like, I don't know, 15 years, something like that. Yeah. So it's Randall and I have been around that world for a yeah. very, you know, for a very long time. It's not like we're not, we don't believe in that, but there's, but you got to ask yourself why. So when it comes to a prophet, a self proclaimed prophet, I don't remember any prophecy schools. I mean, Elisha, Elisha followed Eliyahu, followed Elijah, you know, and, and was... Oh, you mean the in man, the Bible. Okay, was, gotcha. But, but even the Bible, were the prophetic schools where people learned to be a prophet. Every prophet I read, they were called by God specifically. And mostly before the before they were born. Yeah, and sometimes before they were born. Well, we're, of course... John the we're, Baptist we're, was, Jeremiah was, anyway. Isaiah, I think, was. So... Um, so while yes, prophecy is mentioned in in the list of gifts, First Corinthians twelve, uh, for example, I don't see. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But what I see in the scripture 
is that in terms of general revelation, prophecies about the nations and prophecies the way God is going to move on groups of people and in the world and among the nations is is um, is a done deal. I mean, we see that we see that already in the the major prophets, the minor prophets, the the capital P prophet, the Messiah, in Revelation, that that anyone comes along with a general revelation, this is how God is going to move among the nations, move in the United States and do this and do that. I don't even see the U.S. in biblical prophecy. Um, maybe yeah. I'm not reading between the lines well enough, but, you know, any more than any more than Tanzania is mentioned in Bible prophecy or the Philippines or, you know, anything else. It seems like I'm not saying all these, well, all nations will be done away with eventually. But right. the U.S., as far as I know, doesn't play a important role in the future. And so, anyway, I've probably talked too long, but... Well, I, I, I appreciate what you had to say, and... That's really what we just wanted to bring to you guys tonight. Just, you know, we're, we're not trying to attack anybody or no. say they're of the devil or anything. No. But you got to ask yourself why there's such a draw to hear from a prophet, right? A so-called prophet. Um, and, I, and I'll tell you why I think there is. Because number one, there's the spirit of the age. Number two, it's a lot easier just to listen to somebody proclaim vain words that tickle your ears than it is to read the Bible and study it. It takes some time to do that. And frankly, a lot of people don't like to do it. That's Most people are biblically illiterate, and that's a fact. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's just a fact, and I hate saying it, but it's true. Um, so, you know, weigh what we said, and, and just so you guys know, look, I've had people tell me, oh, you're a prophet, and I, ne I have never said I was a prophet, never claimed to be a prophet, don't like the title of a prophet, I have the gift of exhortation and encouragement, that's my gift, um, but I, you will never hear me say, thus says the Lord told me this. Um, I'll read the God's word to you and I'll tell you what I observe from the culture standpoint and do my best to tell you what I think will be the consequences of whatever is going on. And, um, you know, it's not, it's not always easy. I'm not out there trying to make a million followers. I, I don't care. I'm not, I care less if I'm famous or have this massive following. In fact, I don't welcome a big following because it's a headache dealing with people. <laughs> I know it sounds off. I don't want a lot of people following me <laughs> because, you know, just saying, I don't. <laughs> I like little groups. I don't like big groups. I, I, don't, I don't even like to go to big conferences. I don't like going to big church, let alone have millions of people follow me and listen to everything that I do. It makes me completely uncomfortable. And... Having been an observer of the Christian world for a long time, what I can tell you, and it just it just drives me crazy. It's one of my biggest pet peeves, is when other believers exalt another believer and put them up on a pedestal and go, oh, "I'm gonna hang on to every word that you say," 
and it drives me crazy. I mean, I see it every day on Facebook. There's certain people I like to watch. I respect them as leaders, but their followers. Oh, it's such a great word from you today. Oh, your outfit looks great. Oh, you know, and I'm like, oh gosh, you know, please. You know, it's okay to compliment a believer, to love a believer, to encourage and edify a believer, but never put them up on a pedestal because they will fall and they'll break your heart. And ask me how I know. Because I've been there, done that. And, um, and yeah, it was very painful and I learned a very hard lesson. And so when people do it to me, and yes, I have had people do it to me, you know, it is like, no, what, what you're seeing is God's work in that person. Every believer, every leader is, is broken and in need of a, a redeemer. They did it to Moses. I actually believe the reason why we don't know where Bo Moses was buried because God buried him was because they would have done the same thing, made an idol out of it and all that stuff. Plus, I do believe he's coming back anyway. Um, him and Elijah, I do think that they're going to show up. I think they'll be the both end time prophets that will actually show up in the end times when we're not even here. Um, but I could be wrong on that. Can I address a couple questions? And, oh, sure. And that are in the Periscope from, I don't know how to pronounce, I'm sorry. G-Y-G-Z? Yeah. Are you only following the King James Version? Uh, no. Mm -mm. No. <laughs> she's, she's not a fan. I like it because uh, it, <laughs> it preserves single and plural second person. Well, Old English does. We've lost that in modern English, which is, which is a tragedy in some cases. It helps to understand some uh, Bible passages when you know if the, the, the you is singular plural. That is whether it's, whether it's thou or you, uh, the or ye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, thy or your. Um, and uh, aren't the dispersed Hebrews in America? There are Jews all over the world um, through persecution spread many times uh, in the incursion of the Roman Empire. They were all over. Remember, you know, Priscilla and Priscilla, Priscilla and Aquila, they were in Rome. And then they got kicked out of Rome. Later on, uh, you know, in the churches that were established throughout the Mediterranean region is because Jews were in those places. And then again, uh, you know, with uh, the, the rise of Islam, Jews were spread out again. Then again, the Middle Ages with the Spanish Inquisition, Jews were spread out again. And then many times in history, uh, the Jews have been displaced. What's fascinating is since 1948, and especially that's like within the last 10 years, there's been many, have been many Jews making Aliyah, making return, going up, coming back into the people that never lived there or for generations were never there in the Holy Land, but feel this draw to yeah. go there and set up and by the their way, lives. I found out a couple years ago that I'm part Jewish. Mm-hmm. And Randall is part Jewish as well. So there you go. We got a little mm -hmm. bit of Jewish blood in us. Um, um, both of us do. But uh, TR Fun Guy has a comment as well. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think we would all do well to, not that I'm working real hard on it, but to know the original languages of scripture and 
dispense with translations, but uh, it seems as to how many people in our society deserve a period to grieve through all the world events, and each person grieves uniquely as it comes out in various ways, doesn't it? So it comes out in various ways. Yeah. Yes. Grief, yeah. And I think, you know, even though Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five stages of griefs have been actually debunked, um, I, I do think that, um, you know, she did have an interesting framework with, you know, the stages of grief, the five stages of grief, even though it's been debunked, you can look it up. Well, I mean, people it's go been, through those things. I know, but it's been debunked. Not in any series, just bounce back and forth and out of yeah. half dozen more. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, so there's... That's, it's a framework, I'm sorry, anyway. it's the therapist in me, people. Just saying. Anyway, anyway if you want to learn more about Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's book on death and dying, you can look that up. It's actually an old book. I actually found a copy at like a book sale for like a dollar or whatever. Um, but her theory is that we, when we grieve, there's five stages of grief, and anger is one of those. Um, and I think that we see that in our culture, and I think that... Um, you know, we, we do, we do grieve differently, which is why I go back and, you know, I was talking to somebody not too long ago, and this is a theory of mine. I think it's borne out to be accurate. Um, one of the biggest needs of humanity is comfort. So part of the reason why we do what we do, whether it's eat junk food, uh, act out inappropriately in a sexual manner, um, drive recklessly, whatever. It, at the root of it is, is a need for comfort and affirmation. Um, when you haven't been given comfort and you're not feeling secure, then in those cases, people act out and they get angry. And we, and we know that anger is like the, the level above um, grief because grief is really hard to go to directly. You know, it, because it's painful, you know, and you know, here's something that just thought, I just popped in my mind, actually, you know, Jesus, when he, before he left the disciples, you know, he, he said that he was going away to prepare a place for us in John 14, right? He said he would send the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, to be our comforter. And, you know, the role of the Spirit is to comfort us, counsel us, to convict us of our sin. But have you ever considered this? This is what I just came to my mind. When Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane and he, he wept and he sweat drops of blood, there was no anger in him at all. He pled with God. He didn't get angry about it. He didn't get angry that he was going to the cross. You know, um, so if you want to look at a good model of grief and how grief, you know, to use C.S. Lewis's term, uh, grief observed, if you want to observe how grief out look at our lord and savior and how he dealt with his grief right he asked his disciples to hang out with him for one measly hour as he was dealing with that and they <laughs> he comes back hey you know what the heck <laughs> he probably had sweats of blood dripping off his face and stuff during that time here he is beginning to take the sins of the world on him in the garden but he didn't get mad at the disciples he was just like you know, he came to die in our place. In Isaiah 53, he, it says that he bore our grief and our sorrow. He carried it 
which I don't know about you, but that recently was a revelation to me. Um, you know, it was a new insight that I got like, oh, wow, you know, because I have had a lot of grief in my life. Um, but the Lord gets it. He gets it. Thank you. So very interesting, particularly when you add Jesus, his grief is unimaginable. Yeah. His divine grief, his, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just, we, we can't know it, right? We cannot understand what Christ went through for us. We can't understand Christ, period, really, when you really think, when you really try to wrap your mind around who Jesus is, we know this, he, he was really here, he was a true historical figure, there's all this evidence Josh McDowell and others have put, you know, have figured out Josh McDowell's book. You want to read a mind-blowing book, get that book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And look at it. I mean, seriously, you just start reading that book and you're like, whoa, how can I not believe what I believe? Because I, you know, there's so much evidence. God doesn't, and that's the thing that drives me crazy, is that there's so much evidence outside of scripture for the validity of scripture that we don't need these experiences from prophets and all these people who want to give us words from God, etc. when there's, 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 there's this, all this stuff, all this stuff, David, we, uh, my Stacy Harp account was completely shut down last year and I wasn't even doing anything. Somebody either hacked it, Twitter doesn't care. My Bible news radio account is still up. Anyway, so, I mean, I challenge you, encourage you um, to get Josh McDowell's book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. It, it's not Evidence Demands a Verdict, by the way. It's Evidence That Demands a Verdict. <laughs> the word that is important. Um, and get it. And just start reading that book. He goes into so much stuff. It's, you, you I mean, you, you would, you would actually be amazed at the stuff that that Josh you know uncovered I mean it's, it, it is crazy just the archaeological evidence um, biblical archaeology is is completely fascinating Randall and I were talking about some things um, in in our daily disciples group Pam uh, Gillespie read today um, and she made a comment about you know look at the evidence look at the detail that the Lord puts in his word, the specific detail. And, he, and Randall was asking me a question about how many clean animals did, did Noah bring into the ark, you know? And when you look at just that um, story of the detail, <laughs> the word of God is so detailed. I mean, just think about, it. it's just so detailed. And when you look at how it was written, on what three different continents over a period of 1200 to 1500 years something like that in various languages i mean and then yet there's this cohesive story that's like serious how could this you you have to be seriously dark like spiritually blind to not see how what an amazing book this is yeah go look it up it's called evidence that demands a verdict by josh mcdowell it it is and there's there's biblical archaeology magazine you can you just search biblical archaeology in, in google and you'll come up with some websites they're finding new stuff every day or every week anyway um about how scripture has been validated over and over and over again um it's it's amazing 
Answersingenesis.org. You can go there too. They got a ton of stuff over on that website. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's amazing. It truly is amazing. So, all right. So, uh, I guess that's it tomorrow. Um, oh, let me just say this too. Um, if you're not in my daily disciples group on Facebook, just look daily disciples. Um, you can get in there. We're reading the Bible together, um, every day. Um, you can join my text message list by texting Bible news to three, three, two, 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 put in your phone number. Every time I have somebody read in my group, I text something out. I also do a little question of the day and I also, um, have an email list. You can just go to my website and join biblenewsradio.com. Join my email list there. I lead a Bible study on Tuesday. I have a separate email list for that. So just, you can ask to be put on whatever list and be put on it. And I'm also doing a God time together Thursday night on zoom. Uh, God time together is a Bible reading accountability zoom. It's fun. Uh, I talked a lot about that last night, so you can just watch last night's show, but this is where we jump on zoom together. We say, Hey, we're going to read here. And then we go ahead and we read there for like a half hour. And then we come back and we talk about what we read and there you go. Bitly forward slash God time 21. Um, if you go there, then you can sign up for Thursday night. It's limited. I only have like 12 people. And um, because I know you. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, so God time together. I'd love for you to come and be a part of that. I've been doing this since September. Um, changed my life because it just showed me how little I was in God's word, really. I mean, I already talked about that. So just check it out. We want to encourage you and, um, and love on you. You know, I mean, I'm not perfect as some of you know, (laughs) but I'm working on it. The Lord's working on me. So, um, anyway, so, and if you guys have any other questions or comments, you know, you can tweet me at Bible news radio, uh, send me an email through, through our website, whatever. Um, I, I get it usually, and I will do my best to comment and love you and tell you what I think. And if you don't like it, then you can yell at me and tell me you hate me. Yeah. Anyway. So with that said, I guess tomorrow night, Randall is going to, where do you, do you know what you're going to do yet tomorrow? Uh, I don't, but, uh, okay. definitely going to share the word. Yeah. All right. So, uh, thanks for tuning in. I hope you guys have a good night. Uh, get some rest, take, take some time to be in God's word. Just go read the word of God. Let it minister to you, you know, and all that. And, you know, remember he loves you. You know, that's super important. And you know what? All this stuff going on right now, yes, it's upsetting. But you know what? The world's still going to be here tomorrow. The sun is still going to come up. The birds are still going to be singing. The bunny rabbits are going to be you know, jumping around, eating grass. Um, and you can still make an impact for Christ. So as John said, let not your heart, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Yeah. Cause he came to give you peace and you're going to, and, and you know, he doesn't want you full of anxiety and stuff. So there's no reason to be anxious about this stuff going on. What's going to go on is going to go on. 
And if you jump in and you're a part of the ang- the anxiety of the world, you're not doing yourself any good, you know? So rest in his peace and his love for you and relax and shut off the news because most of it is just designed to provoke you. And in 1 Corinthians, it says love is not provoked. All right. So with that said, be bold, stand up people and go with God because he loves you. We'll see you later.